Thank you for tuning in to Tuolumne Community Baptist Church. We are so glad that you're here. Today we're entering, we're getting close to the end of, of Daniel. We're entering chapter 10. It's a, a very interesting chapter. Um, it kind of introduces us to the final vision in the book of Daniel, which is, uh, we're going to hear more about that in chapter 11 and kind of the epilogue of the whole book in chapter 12. Um, but chapter 10 is really quite special. It, it pulls back the curtain and shows us a little glimpse of the spiritual realm, the realm that we cannot see, see, but it most definitely exists. It's there. It's there. There's powers of darkness and powers of light. And thank God for the powers of light. Thank God that we have a God who loves us so much that he died for us on a cross just so he could re raise again and go back to heaven and leave the Holy Spirit for us to reside within us. So we don't have to be afraid of the spirits of darkness because we have the power of light living inside of us. Amen. So I hope you enjoy the message. It's going to get started in here in just a second. Hey, a quick um, notice that I wanted to give out to everybody that listens to our podcast is we are looking for um, help in our children's ministry, uh, also in the nursery department and children's both. We're looking for some paid employees that we will uh, put you through background check. Uh, we will train you and we will... Uh, pay you, and uh, it'd be a paid position working in our children's department. Looking for help. Looking for maybe two or three more. Um, so please let us know. Give me a call at the church or call my cell phone, 209-588-3939. Uh, uh, send me an email, Senior at gmail.com. God bless you. I hope you enjoy the message. We'll see you soon. Channel, chapter 10 is, is a little bit of a reprieve from chapter 9. You guys know that that was difficult. Um, but hold on, because chapter 12 is going to be 11, and 12 is going to be back to the difficult stuff of interpreting these dreams. It's, it's funny, you know, as I was having my conversation with Denise down at the, at the hospital, and she told me she where she used to go to church and and that her pastor had had passed away. I, in fact, I knew Pastor Steve and and she said the new pastor came in and he just he wanted to give us so much history that I just get lost and I didn't know what he's talking about. And I said to her and I started laughing. She goes, "What?" And I said, "Man, I would bore you to death because." <laughs> I do talk a lot about the history because I'm reading the whole Word of God, and we're not skipping anything. And then she tried backpedal, and I said, "Don't try to backpedal. It's okay. Some can handle it, some can't." So we're going to look at Daniel chapter 10. But before we get into chapter 10, I have a little test to test you on last week's message. I want to see how many of you stayed with me. And how many I lost in the first 10 minutes. Um, I know that I lost Teresa in the first three or four minutes. Because uh, she told me so. Um, but was God true about Babylon's fall to Persia? Yes, he was. Was God true about Persia's 
ascendancy over the Medes. Yes, he was. Was God true when he said Jerusalem would be rebuilt? Yes. Was God true when he said Greece would reign over Persia? This is far before it ever happened. Yes, it happened, just as he said. Was God true when he said the king of Greece would be broken off in his youth? King Alexander, he died at 32 years old. Was God true when he said the kingdom would be broken into four kings? And that's exactly what happened. Was God true when he said the temple would be cleansed? We only touched on it a brief bit, but when the Maccabean revolt, that's when the temple was cleansed. Was God true when he gave the exact date that Jesus would appear as the Messiah and be crucified? Yes, all that actually happened exactly as God said it would as he spoke it to Daniel. So now we know the 70th week that is still to come, just as God said is going to come. Most modern Jews believe that they must get permission from their Messiah to rebuild the temple. Many conservative Christians believe that they will wrongly accept the Antichrist as their Messiah, and that, that's the truth. It tells us that John 5.43, that they will believe this person. If this is true, it places the rebuilding of the temple at the same point during the first half of the tribulation period, the Antichrist, when the Antichrist appears. But before the tribulation midpoint, there are rumors that the Jews want to build a prefabricated temple off-site. They want to do it. They, they may even be doing it today. Take part in uh, the sections to store it so it's ready to erect. They could do it as, in as little as six weeks of the time they get the permission from their Messiah. They have already located the place where the red heifers were to be offered in the Old Testament times. And they say from this they can determine exactly where the next tabernacle should be erected. Also rumors of the utensils, animal sacrifices, and the garments of the priests, all the musical instruments for the, music, for the worship services are told to be now complete. Priests have actually, they say, have been actually sacrificing animals at rabbinic schools near where the temple will be because they believe they cannot make mistakes when the temple is finally built. And they believe the only way they can do it right is to practice on real animals now. Red heifers were needed to make the water purification to cleanse the temple mount and the priests who erected the temple the herd was thought to be extinct for almost 2,000 years, but it has been reestablished. The heifers are there, ready, unblemished, perfect, without spot. So it's in preparation. It's out there. It's happening somewhat behind the scenes. We don't know when the Antichrist is going to appear. What we need to be looking is towards Jesus, that he is going to come for his church, because we're not going to be here to see any of that. And I believe that more today than I think I ever have just by studying the book of Daniel. Chapters 10 through 12 of Daniel are all one vision, the vision of the anointed one. This is the last and the longest of Daniel, Daniel's visions. Chapter 10 can be considered as an introduction to the vision. That's why it's a little easier today. Chapter 11 
the vision itself, and then chapter 12 would be more of a, an epilogue, a postscript of the vision. So you guys ready? You want to get started? Let's look at Daniel chapter 10. I've got 30 minutes, but hey, we got food today. I can go 45, right? That's right. Okay, Daniel 10, verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. That was his, his Babylonian name. The message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. The third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, establishes a timeline. Belteshazzar, the king of Babylon, was killed around 539 B.C. Darius Samed took over the kingdom and ruled for about two years before he died. Cyrus, the Persian, became king. In the third year of his reign, of his reign Daniel received this vision. So at the time, it was about 534 B.C., roughly five years after the fall of Babylon, and Daniel would be in his mid-80s. I would say probably about 84 years old. In those days, verse 2, I, Daniel, mourning three full weeks. It does not say why he was mourning. We can, we can guess. I personally believe it's because he's writing this to us. He's given us a, a, an account of how he received this vision and, and everything that he went through, you're going to see these accounts. I believe he's mourning because of what he saw in the vision. What is going to happen to his people, the Jews, and to Jerusalem in the far future, which I believe is talking about those end times, the last days. Some say that Daniel was, could be in mourning because there's been an exodus now of people. Uh, King Cyrus is allowing people to return to Jerusalem. And so few actually did. And that might be why he was upset, because people weren't taking advantage to go back to the homeland and to rebuild a temple or rebuild a city and, and to start worshiping God the way they were meant to worship God. He might have been upset that there was just so few that were actually leaving and going back. Well, why didn't Daniel go? Well, because he's 84 years old is probably the main reason. Plus, he, he held a high position in the government where he could do more good for the Jewish people by staying right where he was, making sure they got you know, safe passage and things they needed to make the journey. Plus, it was about a 90-mile walk for them. They couldn't just get in their Ford F-150 and drive over there. It was a long way. And for an 84-year-old, that wasn't something he was ready to do. Some people think it was because of that small number. I think, personally, that it's because he was mourning from the vision that he saw. Because he's seen what is going to happen to people. It says in verse 3, I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine. I came, in, came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for three whole weeks were fulfilled. Till three whole weeks were fulfilled. In other words, he didn't bathe. He didn't bathe. He, didn't, he wasn't fasting. This wasn't a fast. A fast is when there's no caloric intake. You know, you're not going to eat anything. Well, he said I'm not having any pleasant food. He was, he was, how do you say it? He was restricting himself. He was saying, you know what? I'm going to suffer a little bit 
so God sees how serious I am. And it's not a bad idea for us to do. Sometimes we don't have to necessarily fast, go without food. But, you know, maybe we can just cut out a little bit of the TV time. You know, or maybe a little bit of computer time. Or, or maybe, you know, something in our lives that we can restrict ourselves and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus in on prayer instead of doing what I was doing. He said he ate no wine, no, ate no meat. Uh, he was eating probably bread and water. It was not a total fast, but it was certainly a partial fast. And we need to pay attention to what Daniel was doing because God saw it and God spoke to him. Now, in the 24th day of the first month, I was by the side of the great river that is the Tigris. It was the 24th day of the first month, and Daniel was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River. On the Jewish calendar, it was the month of Nisan. On our calendar, it would have been April 24th, 534 B.C. He says in verse 5, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold yuppas. Verse 6, his body was like a barrel. I like that statement. Sorry, I just do because I see myself. As like, yeah. Anyway, his body was like a barrel. His face was like the appearance of lightning, like torches of fire. His arms and feet were burnished bronze in color. And the sound of his words were like a voice of a multitude. Theologians have often believed that this is Jesus Christ himself. It's called a Christophany, and I believe that too. He's coming to visit Daniel, but he's not clearly identified, and the Bible does not clearly identify him. But let's compare him, the looks of where he was clearly identified in Revelations 1, 13 through 16. Verse 13, it says, and this is to show you the similarities of what Christ would look like. In the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. His hair, was, his hair were white like wool, white as snow, and his eyes were a flame of fire. His feet were fine brass, as refined in the furnace, and his voice was the sound of many waters. Are you seeing the similarities into what he, how he's described? So I believe this was Jesus And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like a sun shining in his strength. Man, I think I would be frightened to see that. Verse 7, back to Daniel, it says, And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them, so they had fled and hid themselves. I think that's a very interesting scripture. They, never saw. they, never saw. they did not see what Daniel was seeing, but they sensed the presence of something. There's so much for it, so that they probably fell on their faces and hid their faces, or they ran and hid behind rocks that said they fled, you know, and hid themselves because they were terrified of, of what they were feeling. The presence of God can be felt. And it can be noticed, and they knew there was something happening. They didn't know what. So verse 8, it says, Therefore I was alone when I saw the great vision. 
and no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned into frailty in me, and I returned, I retained no strength. It just took everything out of him. He's seen his vision. He's seen a a Christ-like vision that he doesn't recognize. He doesn't know exactly what he's seeing, and there's no strength. It just drew everything out of him. Verse 9, Yet I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground. So obviously he did a face plant. You know, he... He was on the ground with his face to the ground from what he was seeing. He had no strength. He couldn't stand. He was on the ground. Being in the presence of God is powerful. And if you ever have the opportunity to really be in the presence of God, you will feel it. It is powerful. I could feel the presence of God even this morning during our worship. And, and it must be like a, like, you know, a little trickle off a little battery compared to what it's really like being in the presence of God. But I could feel his presence, and I'm sure some of you could too. He says, suddenly, now, so now picture this, he's on the ground, his face to the ground. Verse 10, suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. If I wasn't as old and fat as I am, I'd get down on the ground and show you. But he's on his hands and knees. I'm not going to do that. I know that would be just a bad sight, huh? It just wouldn't, I, I see that in my mind, like, okay, you can vision it. Okay, he's on his hands and his knees, and he's shaking. He, he's, he's having a hard time even trying to raise himself up because everything has been drained out of him. He was trembling. He was trembling. Verse 11, it said, and he said to me, oh, understand this. Oh, Daniel. Man, greatly beloved. Man, we could just stop and talk right there. Do you realize whenever God talks to you, that that's the first thing that he ever would tell you? That you were greatly loved. God loves us so much. You know, no, God wouldn't do that. He's mad at me. No, the first thing he would tell you is you are greatly loved. You are beloved by God. He loves you and is concerned about you. And it's the first thing that he would ever want to tell any of us is how much he loves us. Then he goes on to say, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. for for, For I have now been sent to you while he was speaking this word to me. I stood trembling. So imagine him now. Poor 84-year-old Daniel. And I, you know, to be honest with you, in their time, I don't think he, he probably looked better than me at 84. But there he stands, trembling, trembling. It's trying to hold himself up. Then he said to me, verse 12, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before the God, before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. Man, that's one you should put on your refrigerator. Do not fear. The first day that, I, that you set your heart to understand, 
See, what does that tell you? That's, see, when I read that, I realize, okay, that's what he was upset about because he had understanding of the vision that he had saw. And he was so upset that I need to know more. I need to know if this is really going to happen, if this is really going to happen to, the, to our Jewish people. If, if God, you got to tell me what is real and what isn't real. And Daniel humbled himself before his God. But read verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, he's an archangel, one of the chief princes came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Man, does this ever pull back the curtain on the spiritual realm? Now, I'm not going to get all spiritual on you, and, but I want you to understand and realize that there is a spiritual realm beyond what we can see. Sometimes we can sense it. Sometimes we can sense it. We can feel the darkness. We can feel the light. We can feel God's presence, just like I felt during worship a minute ago. We know there is a spiritual realm that is going on outside of the boundaries of, of our senses, what we can understand. And that's where Michael, the archangel, and all the other angels, and also the demons and darkness, that's where they are. The angel pulled back the curtain to show Daniel a cosmic struggle, struggle in the heavenly realm. He revealed that more is going on in the world than most people ever realize. Behind the scenes is an unseen war between God and Satan, angels of God and demons of Satan. The spirit of Christ and the spirit of Antichrist. It's going on even as we speak. You know, I was told once... And I believed her. I was told by, by Dina Kennedy, actually, back when we had the old church that I pastored. She told me, she came into church when she said, Pastor, you won't believe what I just saw. I said, what did you see? She goes, I seen angels lined up around the entire auditorium. And they weren't little angels. They were big angels. And they had shields and, and staffs. And they were standing in all around. I said, yeah, I believe it. We have angels. You guys can be seated if you like. They're here. We have angels in our midst. We don't know what's going on in the spiritual realm. Well, Pastor, why is it you want to tell us about it? Because I want you to be careful also with the spiritual realm. Do you realize a lot of people will play and dabble in, in spirituality and spiritual realm? And you need not do that. There are powers of darkness. Things like Ouija boards. Kids, stay away from them. Do not play with them. Do not leave them in the house. Don't have anything to do with them. Even you see things on TVs, maybe, you know, sometimes the younger show will have a, you know, a show about witches or witchcraft and different things. Just completely turn it off. Get it out of your house. There are powers of darkness that you do not realize that you could accidentally tap into and all of a sudden bring bad things upon yourself. It happens. And there is a spiritual realm that we have to know is there. And, and be careful of, not to dabble in. You know, we've heard of, of people talking about, you know, I'm going to go talk to this person, this psychic's going to tell me. Yeah, this happened to me in, in my previous marriage before my wife had died. Her sister was missing, and they were talking to Chloe or someone and trying to find her sister. You know, and I said, guys, you're, you're, you're barking up the wrong tree. You're looking at the wrong place. 
We need to be in prayer. We need to ask God to help us to find her, not not some demon-possessed, because there are powers there. There are powers that, that are beyond our control. Even this angel was fighting with these powers of darkness, an angel, for 21 days. He held him up to get to Daniel, because he was, God said, go to Daniel. And he got held up in battle. He said in verse 13, I read it again, I'll read it again. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes and archangel, came to help me. It's amazing. There's, there's not many places where it's pulled back and the curtain and opened up to show us this unseen world, but it's there. The angel told Daniel that the prince of Persia, that is a fallen angel, an evil spirit, had perver- prevented him from getting through with an answer to his prayer. The evil spirit was so powerful, it managed to hold off this good angel for 21 days. It's interesting that it's the same length that Daniel continued fasting and praying. You know, I wonder, I was thinking about this, what if, what if Daniel stopped? What if after about the 15th day, he just said, God's not going to answer me. I'm hungry. I'm, I'm tired. But he didn't. He kept on. And maybe, you know, God allowed this angel to be held up. He says, I want to see if Daniel's going to hold true, if he's going to continue to ask until the answer gets there. That means when we pray, we need to continue to pray. Well, I prayed once. You mean I got to pray again? I'll continually pray. We continually pray, continually asking God. God is watching. And it says here that he hears our prayers. In the very first day that Daniel set his heart, and how did he set his heart? He said, I'm not going to have any good food. I'm not going to have any good drink. I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to restrict myself from any pleasures, and I'm, I'm not even going to bathe, God. Uh, you know what I smell like. I'm not even going to bathe until I hear it from you, until I hear the answer. And he kept his promise. He held it up, and he did it. And the angel finally came through. It was so powerful. Furthermore, the only way the good angel finally got through to Daniel was Michael, one of the chief angels. He rendered assistance. It appears from Scripture there that different angels have different functions. The angel Gabriel, which he may have been here, his name isn't, he's been here a couple of times in the book of Daniel, but his name isn't brought up right here, but I believe that Gabriel was probably there And he believes to be a messenger angel. Michael is most definitely uh, an archangel. I want to show you this in Jude 1. I'll let you take it. It's your sister. Yeah. Ask her. There might be something wrong. She knows where I'm at right now, so it's... Thank goodness we're not recording that on my phone. <laughs> okay. Let's see, what were we talking about? That's right. He fights for Israel. We're going to see that. We've seen that. We're going to see that in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. Uh, yeah. 
There was spiritual warfare going on. See, it made my phone ring right in the middle. Derailed me completely. Okay, I'm on Jude 1.9. Yet Michael, the archangel, is contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses. Dared not bring against him a revealing accusation, but he said, the Lord rebuke you. So Michael, the archangel, has been around a long time. There he was. Fighting Satan over the body of Moses. And you ain't going to touch him. Revelation 7, 12, 7 says, And war broke out in heaven. Can you imagine? It kind of blows my mind. You think of heaven where there can be no war. But in this spiritual realm, in heaven, Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought. So there's things going on in the spiritual realm that we don't know. We don't know what's going on. Daniel 10, 14. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision refers to many days yet to come. This is where he's telling them what this refers to as the end times. And to happen to your people. Understand it's not including the church there. If you're Jewish, it includes you, but not the church. This is about his people, the Jewish people. Was everything okay, Joe? Was everything okay with Vicki? Okay. Oh, okay. They sent an ambulance over to him? Okay, we will be praying silently. Yeah, let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, we ask you to uh, be with Joe's brother. In Jesus' name, amen. This may be well by the key verse in this chapter from we learn what follows in chapters 11 and 12 concerns two things. Your people, that means Daniel's people, the nation of Israel, and the future. Do not overlook this. The next chapter clearly reveals events concerning Israel during the Medo-Persian Empire. See, it's hard for us. This is still, the Medo-Persian Empire is still to come. It, it, it hasn't, everything hasn't happened yet. The Medo-Persian Empire is kind of in charge right now, letting them go back. But then you have the Greek Empire that's going to that's come up in the, their near future. But these events are pictures of the types of events that will take place in the latter days in the end of age. And praise God, we're not going to see it. We're not going to be there. We will be taken up with Christ in the rapture. Verse 15. When he had spoken such words, I turned my face towards the ground and became speechless again. He, he, he's he can't hardly handle the power of the presence of God that he's in. Verse 16, and suddenly, one having the likeness of the sons of men touched my lips. Now, who was that? We don't know. Could have been that Christophany that we've seen, like, you know, all the fire coming out of his eyes and everything. It could be. Could it be one of the angels? Because they, they look like men, the sons of men. We, we don't know. 
touched his lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him who stood before me, My Lord, because of the vision, my sorrows have overwhelmed me, and I have retained no strength. We are dealing with a spiritual world here and do not know how many beings are, are really involved around Daniel at this very moment. At times, we're not even sure if we're dealing with Jesus, angels, or exactly what. Someone who looked like a man touched Daniel on his lips. This was done to enable Daniel to speak. After it happened, Daniel addressed the being by saying that he was overcome with sorrow and he had no strength left. Something like this should cause people to stop and reflect. There are those who try to contact the spiritual world without knowing what potentially could happen. And we need to be careful. It's a fearful thing to even mess with this powers of darkness. There is a supernatural world filled with spiritual beings, both good and evil. At last, some have the power to possess people. Understand. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord Savior, they can't possess you. They can't afflict you. They can cause problems with you, but they cannot possess you. Why? Because you're possessed by the most powerful being of all. You're, you're most high God. The Holy Spirit resides within you. Evil spirits cannot possess you, but they can afflict you. They're here, there's a supernatural world full of supernatural beings. They have the ability to talk, to affect people, to cause people to do things that they wouldn't otherwise do. They cannot be dealt with in ordinary ways. Spiritual weapons are required. Prayer and fasting in the name of Jesus is a starting point. If you want to fight with spiritual powers, is you need to be in fasting and prayer and, and really close to God if you're even going to attempt to fight a spiritual warfare. Sometimes things are going wrong. Sometimes we go, is this spiritual warfare going around, around me? Pray, fast. Get close to God. Ask him to send you Michael to defend you if, that's, if the thing is so bad. You know, we don't know. There's a lot of things that Christians experience uh, supernaturally that um, maybe are weird, that we, we don't understand. You know, you, you could go on TV and see Benny Hinn, and he'll touch somebody, and they fall over on their, on their back. Is that God? Is it not? We don't know. I don't know. I'm not where I would judge that is if a person goes down under the power of the Holy Spirit, how have they changed? What's the fruit of that? There's always got to be fruit. There's got to be something that you see, the change, that they get up and go, this part, something happened. Okay, I'll give that credit to God. Well, if they were just pushed down and it's a show, then maybe it's a show. You're not going to see any spiritual fruit come out of a thing like that. But it's not anything that we need to be afraid of. We're not a, you know, super spiritual church and people aren't going to fall down all over the floor. This is not a Pentecostal church. Although I've seen it, I've been present in it, and I know what's real and I know what's not, and I judge the fruit of what you see. There are many things in the spiritual realm that you can say, 
But I don't know what happened. That was weird. It was just weird. Just straight up weird. I, I'm not sure. But we have the living word of God. And tell me what's happening to Daniel right here. Wasn't a little bit weird. I mean, the power took him down on his face. And then he was able to get up on his hands and knees and still shook. And he couldn't stand up until the angel, the being, whatever that presence touched him and raised him to his feet. Then he couldn't speak until the angel touched his lips. That's all kind of weird. I haven't experienced any of that. Doesn't mean that it's not real. Doesn't mean that it's not the presence of God. It's we need to understand. But best to be cautious and not get involved in things where we have very little knowledge of. We need to be careful. Don't play with Ouija boards. Don't call and have somebody tell your fortune. You want to know what your fortune is? Pray. Ask God, what, what's your plan for me? Verse 17. For how can this servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is any breath left in me. Daniel respectfully addresses the being, this being about his own physical condition. His vision, his vision and his experience were having such a tremendous effect upon him that he had no strength. It's gone from him. Even his breathing was affected. And I, I understand that. Verse 18, then again, no one having, then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. As Daniel stood there physically shaken and weak as being touched him again. The first touch strengthened him and Daniel left a little and left him trembling on his hands and knees. Then the second touch enabled him to speak. The third touch energized him and gave him strength. Verse 19, and he said, O man greatly beloved, this is the angel talking to Daniel, whatever being in the spiritual realm, beloved, greatly beloved, fear not, Peace be with you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened. And he said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. So Daniel was replying back to me, yeah, talk to me, because as you're speaking, I'm getting strength. And that happens when we're ministering to somebody and we're believing that your presence can strengthen somebody. A hand touch can strengthen somebody. It's not weird. You want to pray for somebody. That's, it's very biblical to lay your hands on somebody when you pray. It's very biblical. And I know personal experience. I've prayed for people and touched them, and they say, I felt something. I feel different. I feel strong. I feel, I feel better. Well, that's God. That's the presence of God. That's that spirit. Verse 20, then he said, do you know why I have come to you? This is the angel speaking to Daniel. And now I must return and fight the prince of Persia when I have gone forth. He's got to go back and fight this prince. That had to kind of blow Daniel's mind. What, you got to go back and fight again for me? Yeah, I got to go back and finish the battle. Indeed, the prince of Greece will come. So this tells us there are powers of darkness that are over specific areas. You know, one that we could pick out, you know, and pinpoint exactly is like the country of Haiti. It's a very dark place. 
they, they worship spiritual darkness. And you can, I guarantee, I haven't been there, but people say they get off the plane, they can feel the oppression of, of the spiritual darkness that's in their midst. It's there. It's the prince of darkness. So he said, do you know why I've come to you? The heavenly being is asking Daniel a question, but did not wait for the answer. He had already given him the answer. He came to Daniel to understand what is going to happen to the Jews in the future. The Bible not only teaches us that there are evil spirits in charge of of nations of the earth, it also touches that evil spirits can possess people. And it it is easy to believe this is what happened in a case like Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, and others. The spirit of the Antichrist. What will give him the power to take over the world government. And what will summon the kings of the earth into the battle of Armageddon. The very last verse. But I will tell you what is noted in the... But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one that holds, upholds me against these except for Michael, your prince. The angel came to Daniel to explain what will happen to the Jews in the future. The heavenly being informed Daniel that he would tell Daniel what has already been recorded about the future in Daniel's heavenly scriptures. That revelation will come out in chapters 11 and 12. But first, this messenger wanted Daniel to know that there was no one was helping him fight the princes of Persia except for your prince, Michael, the archangel. He's your prince too. I believe that we have angels that are assigned to us. I know that we have one that lives within us. His name is the Holy Spirit. I personally call him Charlie, but that's another story. (laughs) He resides within me, and he's there. He's there to help. He's there to strengthen us. The power of the Holy Spirit is there to strengthen us. And I need his strength daily. I have four more scriptures because Daniel 11, 1 through 4 is this continued conversation. But you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share them with you next week because we're going to go into chapter 11. But just remember, when we start chapter 11, the angel is still speaking in this same conversation. And it's amazing. It's amazing. This conversation that happens between Daniel and this angel. (sighs) Heavenly Father, I pray that everyone here has heard the message and will heed to the powers of darkness and pay attention to only look to you, to look to your word and to fast and to pray to deny ourselves something and say, I'm going to do this, Father, so you see. I'm going to humble myself before you to pray. Father, I pray that you help us to do that. Father, I know that you dispatch angels today. I know that you do. And Father, I just want to give you thanks that I know you've had angels about me, protecting me and my family. I know that they're all about this church. Father, we just want to thank you and praise you.
Father, as we go into the fellowship hall, we pray over the food and all that the ladies have done in there. Father, we ask you to bless the food to our bodies, allow it to bring nourishment and strength. Strength to stay awake during that football game. Father, we ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen.